Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. like worship. There's no thing like being in the presence of Almighty God. We thank God for waking us up this morning and starting us on our way. We thank God for the privilege. Hallelujah. We thank God for the privilege, church, of being able to say, I know he's all right. <coughs> we serve an awesome God. He's worthy to be praised. I thank God for all of you. I thank God for my PGC Church family. I thank God for all of our volunteers and workers who give of their time and effort so that we might serve in excellence. I thank our praise team for your preparation and leading us in worship. And we praise God for the anointing on you and our musicians and uh, all of the people who help us to rise up in the name of Jesus. I want to also again thank God for our anniversary committee and we continue to get so many compliments on the anniversary. People around the country, people in other countries who happen to be tied to Pleasant Grove. So I thank all of you again Let's praise God again for our anniversary. And I want you to know that there is a, a tree over in the uh, refreshment area, what's called a space to grow. And as we approached the anniversary, we changed the name and we gave it the label serving a faithful uh, God. And we decided to put everyone's name on that tree who was on our directory. Initially, we started by putting names on the tree based on our expansion and our campaign. But the Holy Spirit told me, no, that's not the right thing to do. Take the directory and every name of anyone associated with Pleasant Grove Church so that that will be a keepsake in the life of the church. So, Sammy, you know, 50 years from now, somebody could say, who was there? There your name is, on the tree. So we praise God for unity. 
and we praise God. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you are so awesome. In a world of darkness, you give light. In a world of despair, you give hope. In times of struggle, dear God, you comfort us with your abiding love. And when there are seasons that we want to give up, you speak to our very soul, and you encourage us to listen and wait on you. Because your word says that those who wait on the Lord, hallelujah, will renew their strength. So we praise your holy name for all that you have done. We thank you, God, that you are larger than COVID. We thank you, God, that you have saved our lives. We thank you, God, that you have kept our families together. We thank you, God, that in the midst of a crisis that you show up and give us a word of hope. We pray for a fresh anointing, and we pray, dear God, that this word will comfort your people and that this word will transform the lives of those under the sound of my voice. Use me. Use me, O oh Lord, as a vehicle of worship, and Father, I pray right now that everything I do say and think will give your name glory, honor, and praise. In the mighty and precious name of Jesus, I pray. Let the church say, Amen. The Apostle John makes it clear throughout his writings that John the Baptist was a witness to the light, or Jesus, but he was not the light. And John had been given a special assignment from God to bear witness to the light and the gift of salvation through a relationship with Jesus Christ. When we believe, we yield ourselves up to be possessed by the one in whom we believe. In John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, we read, He came so that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And in verse number 12, John said that yet to all who did receive him and to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. We ought to be shouting hallelujah. Because verse number 12 again, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. My sermon titled, Believe and Receive. In Old English, believe means to have faith or confidence. It means to hold dear, to value, or to love. The full meaning of believe is to have confidence in the truth, to be persuaded. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's nothing you can say or do to change my opinion of that. I will not be persuaded otherwise. I believe in the existence and the reliability of Jesus Christ, and I believe he's coming back again just like he said he would. Only if one believes that something can act purposefully. Sometimes we try to do the Lord's work and we really do not believe in the Lord's word. The scriptures help us to see the benefits of believing. What do we gain when we believe? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You see, there's power in reading and understanding God's word. John 6, 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I was talking with my sister the other day, and we were talking about uh, burials and arrangements, and she was saying to me that the current cost of a, a vault is now $1,900 or something like that. And then there's a grave lining and all of that. And I said to her, I said, you know, when I was immature, I really put a lot into the color of a coffin and if it was really teak wood or, or whether or not it, you know, was it oak and did it shine and all that. You know what I'm talking about. I, I used to put a lot of effort into that and I realized that it doesn't matter what you go down in the ground in, you are going to be dead. You are dead. And if you don't know God, you're going to be there forever. So I realized that it doesn't matter, Alice, if the coffin is purple or burgundy, and it doesn't matter if 300 people show up or none at all, but to spend so much time on how you're going to be buried when you have lived without a Savior doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Sometimes people want the church to preach somebody into heaven after they've died, and you know they don't know Jesus. And then they want to come and they want you to do a eulogy, Minister Derek, on somebody you've never seen, you've never heard from them, they've never given a tithe, nothing to the church, and you're supposed to not only preach the eulogy, but fix some chicken and dumplings for the family when it's over. The Bible says whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Church, it's time for us to read the word and understand for ourselves. Paul said to the church at Rome in Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, hear me again, if everybody who say they know Jesus need to know Romans 10, 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I want to say it again because if you confess with your mouth and if you believe that Jesus is Lord in your heart and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Stop trying to make this difficult. Read your Bible. If you can memorize the songs of Beyonce and Mary J. Blige and John Legend, then you ought to be able to remember a little scripture. Every now and then I check in with my people. They can tell me everything John Legend said about joy on your mind. And everything that, you know, that a common said in his rap. But sometimes we need to get excited about God's word and be able to say, you know what, girlfriend, you can be saved in the name of Jesus. All you got to do is confess with your mouth, and all you got to do what is believe in your heart. We're trying to make it complicated. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into the world.
and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's why people run from me, and they ought to be running from you. Go into the world and proclaim the gospel to whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Oh, my, 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 my. It's time for us to get salvation right. It's time for us to stop pretending. To be honest with you, I thought this was a heavy sermon to preach. And I've been contemplating all week, how would I present this news without offending anyone? And then the Holy Spirit told me that's not my job. Your job is to preach the word. And if they're offended, let them be offended. If they're wrong, they're wrong. And if they're right, they're right. And that's your job. And if you're not going to tell the truth, then you need to quit and move on. So I said, I got it, Lord. The Cost of Discipleship is a book by the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it's considered a classic of the Christian thought. Reverend Bell, it is centered on an exposition of the Sermon on the Mount in which Bonhoeffer spells out what he believes it means to follow Jesus. It was published in 1937 when the rise of the Nazi regime was underway in Germany, and it was against this background that Bonhoeffer's theology of costly discipleship developed, which ultimately led to his death. In other words, being a follower of Jesus Christ can cost you your life. And one of the most quoted parts of the book deals with the distinction which Bonhoeffer makes between cheap, costly grace, and according to Bonhoeffer, cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Bonhoeffer said that the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance is baptism without church discipline. We go down in the water and we come up and we say these fancy words that I received Jesus, you've been baptized in the name of Jesus, and then there's no discipline in our lives, we just happen to get baptized. It's communion without confession. How can you commune with the Lord when you haven't been with the Lord? How can you come to the table knowing that you're not right with the Lord? See, cheap grace is grace without discipleship and grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ living incarnate. Cheap grace, Bonhoeffer says, is to hear the gospel preached as follows, and of course you have sinned, but now everything is forgiven. So you can stay as you are and enjoy the consolations of forgiveness. In other words, cheap grace means that I'm present, but I'm not in. Cheap grace means that I want everything for free. Cheap grace means that we don't hold people accountable for what they say they're going to do. It comes a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. It is costly because it compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and follow him. It is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Bonhoeffer argues that Christianity spread, the church became more secularized, accommodating the demands of obedience to Jesus to the requirements of society. In other words, he's saying that society comes to the church to change the church, but the church ought to be going out and changing society. Because when the church becomes too worldly and not grounded in God's word, we're pretty much useless. So what we have to do is realize that it's our assignment 
to change the world and not bring our behavior from the world into the church. The church should shape the world. But sometimes the opposite happens. I have learned that people associate value with what, they, what costs them the most. And I've learned that because something is free, people think it has very little value. I have learned that the church is sometimes taken for granted because the church does not charge $125 an hour. The church allows you to come and to get its best for nothing at all times. I have learned that people take for granted everything that God does through those disciples who are dedicated to him. The term cheap grace was coined by the Reverend Adam Clayton Powell Sr. He was then pastor of Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, New York. Bonhoeffer attended the church when at Union Theological Seminary and for his season taught Sunday school there. Bonhoeffer benefited from the protest culture of the African-American church and gleaned it from social gospel elements that he would take with him back to Germany. In other words, nothing is free. And in other words, when you say that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, there ought to be some evidence. In other words, if you say you belong to God, then there ought to be some evidence in your life that God is with you and you are with God. And what we see when we uh, see John the Baptist is that we realize that John did not take a shortcut to being who he had been called to be. He was part of the priestly race by both parents. You know his story, Zacharias and Elizabeth. His birth was foretold by an angel sent from God and is related at length in Luke number 1. And the birth of John preceded by six months of our Lord. John was ordained to be a Nazarite from his birth and dwelling by himself in the wild and then equal region westward of the Dead Sea. You see, in other words, John was weird. He's like some of us. He didn't look like regular people. He had wild hair and he ate honeycombs and he stayed out in the wilderness. What I discovered, sometimes it's good to be odd and different. His dress was that of the old prophets, a garment woven of camel's hair, attached to his body with a girdle wrapped him around it. Can you imagine seeing him at night and going, where, who is that? His food was such as the desert afforded, locusts and wild honey. And now the long secluded hermit came forth to discharge of his office. In other words, John the Baptist was on a divine assignment. How about you? Have you made it up? I was talking to a woman in Connecticut when I was there, and she was going to seminary. And I asked her why. And she said because she wanted to be a minister and she wanted to have credentials. And I said, you know, baby, you can go to seminary and you can become whatever you want to become, but if God has not called you, you have no power. And just because you get the title does not mean that you're going to get any respect. And just because you have the title, it does not mean that people are going to do the right thing and treat you with respect. And so what I'm saying is that we all should be seeking our divine assignment from God. We ought to be waking up every morning saying, God, am I on the assignment that you have for me? Or have I made this up so I may be lifted up by worldly people? So John teaches us, John the Baptist, when you're on divine assignment, you know what you're supposed to do. 
And even when people try to get you to move into space that does not belong to you, then you realize you better stay in the place that God told you to be. Otherwise, you're going to get your feelings hurt. Because God calls us and God equips us and God prepares us. And the church will be more productive if we were willing to get in our own lane, do what God called you to do, do it at your best, and then the church will be able to go forward. Somebody ought to say amen. A disciple, one who finds and follows and is becoming fully formed to be like Jesus. A disciple, one who knows the words of the master. A disciple, one who is willing to make every sacrifice in the name of Jesus. It's answering the question, what are you seeking? Disciples have time to study God's word. Disciples have time to consider the stewardship of the church. Disciples have time to call on those who are missing. Whenever we have prayer, and I hear sometimes the deacons will say to me, we did not have good attendance today. And I say to them, who is missing? Because a, uh, a disciple wants to know who's missing from the circle. And you see, it's not about the number of people who show up. It really depends on what happens when we show up. But real disciples look for the missing and look for those who are not present. The difference between being a cultural Christian and a disciple. A cultural Christian believes because it's convenient. A disciple believes because it is true. A cultural Christian is shaped more by the ways of culture. A disciple submits to the process of being fully formed by the ways of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I get so tired of people telling me what the church ought to do, and they haven't consulted with the Lord, because there are things that I have great expectations in of the cross. Nobody's calling you and me as the only true scholars, not in the top ten. You want the church that acknowledges Jesus and on the name of the book of Jesus Christ. 200. Whatever discern, well, it's not easy to live up to God's standards. Can I get a witness? Of the truth, if everybody loves you, something's wrong. If anybody agrees with you, something is wrong. So when we look at John the Baptist and those who follow Jesus, we see a tension in their lives, and we realize that anything worth having is going to cost you something. John the Apostle was keenly aware of the danger of followers clinging to a powerful figure like John the Baptist. Sometimes we cling to human flesh more than we cling to Jesus. And John is teaching us is that there is no substitute for Jesus. If we can buy our children every gadget they want, if they can wear the tennis shoes that they want with unlimited prices, if they can do all the things they want to do, the least we can do is introduce them to Jesus Christ and introduce them to Bible study. I wonder sometimes how do you how do you how do you justify dressing some people materially but not spiritually? Because we live in a world if you don't have a spiritual fire and spiritual power, you will be destroyed. John makes it clear throughout his writings that the Baptist stands in the shadows of Jesus. He is a witness to him, but he is in no way to be confused with the Lord and Savior. 
What does your witness say about your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm not trying to condemn you. I'm just asking you to ask yourself some questions. Jesus is the word. Jesus was a man, and John understood that with his divine credentials that he could make change in the name of Jesus. And John the Baptist chose to bear witness with the, before he died. When is the last time you have a witness for someone? As I was studying this, the Lord said to me is that many of us can't witness because we're so shabby in our lives. And that many of us can't witness because the people around us see our lives and ask if that's what it's going to, if I'm going to turn out like that, I might as well stay like I am. If I'm going to turn out like you, I might as well say what I said. I said, well, maybe, Lord, we need to get somebody else outside the family to witness to the people so they can see what God can do. And we always have to be careful as disciples of Jesus Christ what we say, when we say it, and how we say it. I pray right now that the Lord will give us a presence of mind that we know that we should always be the light in a world of darkness. That should always be light when you say you belong to Jesus. I'm trying to say to you is that if your light is out, you need to ask the Lord to turn it back on. And if your light is out, you need to have somebody around you to say, when you see me, do you see light or do you see darkness? We must become a witness to Jesus Christ. And it's time for us to get serious about the work of our Lord. Reverend Paul and I met on Tuesday to go through our plans for 2021. You know, our church conference is coming up December 5th, and we talk about what we're going to do next year. And one of the things we talked about is our adoption of Chatham Forest as our neighborhood ministry. Now, all of you know the story about the food that goes there, but we realize, Deacon Shireen, that it is unacceptable to give a person food and nourishment for their body and never give them anything for their soul. Let me say it again. It's one thing to feed me some pork and beans and ham hocks. It's another thing when you tell me about Jesus. So we decided that we're going to be intentional about witnessing and our evangelism ministry in that community. And I'm saying that because it's time for the church to realize that we are called to witness and evangelize and to increase the kingdom of the Lord through the word of the Lord. It's not about you. It's about your witness and giving these people evidence of who they can be in Jesus Christ. Another blessing is we have free access to God. There's so many places we have no access to because of culture, because of the color of our skin, because of where we were born, how we will look. But God has given us free access in the name of Jesus. You don't need a membership card. You don't need to pay an annual fee. All you got to do is believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everyone must decide how they will respond to the invitation to witness for Jesus Christ. I cannot answer for you and you cannot answer for me. This phrase brings us near home when we talk about he came to his own particular people and dwelled in their own land, and there were a people who had been prepared for his coming for centuries. In other words, do not take rejection as a final step. Rejection is a part of the journey. Let me say that again. Rejection is a part of the journey. 
So people will not like you. People will not tolerate you. But I am here to tell you that God will give you Holy Ghost power and God will give you the ability to stand firm and God will fight your battles for you and you, all you have to do is witness in the name of Jesus. All you got to do is stand firm in the name of Jesus. And throughout the Gospel of John, the verb believe emphasizes as an activity something men do. One in whom we believe in the New English Bible makes this clear. To those who have yielded him their allegiance, he gave the right to become children of God. Yes, my mother is Maggie and my father was R.C. And when they got together, guess what? I was conceived. But the best thing about this story is that now I've been adopted into a different family. I've been adopted into a family that God created. I've been adopted to a family that will live forever in the name of Jesus. So I praise God for the provisions for me. Are you happy about the provision? It doesn't matter what your last name is. You got to give it up anyway. It doesn't matter where you were born. You got to give it up anyway. So I'm here today to say that it's time for us to believe and receive and be born again in the name of Jesus. Are you the one crying out? In the wilderness? Are you the voice calling? Are you the voice in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord? Make straight a highway for our God? I love it when Isaiah says, every valley shall be raised up, and every mountain and hill made low, and the rough ground shall become level. Lord, have I witnessed some rough ground? Lord, have I witnessed some rough ground? But the Bible says that the rugged places will be made plain. And someday the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? That all people are like grass. Doesn't matter if you get your hair colored. It's going to fade. It doesn't matter. What you do with Botox, you're going to age. It doesn't matter how many times you have surgery to reshape what you think could look better. You're going to end up just like you were. It doesn't matter how much money you spend on looking good. One day, all of this stuff fades away. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? That all people, I'm not picking on you, read the word, all people are like grass. You know what that means? What happens to grass? There's seasons when grass dies. I was talking with someone the other day about our maintenance plan for the church. And we were talking about whether or not we need to cut back on the maintenance. I said, no, because the grass is going to die, and then the grass is going to pass. We need to maintain that. But what I'm saying is that we are going to wither just like the flowers and just like the grass. And the only thing we have that can give us life is a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says all, Isaiah said, all people, not Pleasant Grove people or True Light people or Macedonia people, but all people are like grass and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fall. The seasons change as their seasons are changing right now. The young get old. I don't care 
how long you get surgery or take medication to boost your energy. You're going to get old one day, and you're going to look old one day. But everything changes. Everything around us changes. Everything is always in turmoil, but God is constant and very consistent because the breath of the Lord blows on them, and surely the people are like grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But, <laughs> I love this, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Lord and the word of our God endures forever. I don't care what's happening at the White House or the Black House or the Brown House, the Lord's word will stand. I don't care what's happening on my job, the word of God will stand. I can't change anybody's attitude, but I know the word of God still stands. And the word says in Revelation 3, 20, that behold, I stand at the door and knock. Oh, don't you hear it? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone, red, green, brown, purple, chocolate, vanilla, chocolate chip, Proline's and cream, strawberry, key lime. If anybody, anybody, dark chocolate, mint chocolate, it doesn't matter. French vanilla, it doesn't matter. He said that if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Not only will I come in, Minister Derek, but I will eat with him. Hallelujah. And he will eat with me. I'm going to say it again. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, your job is to get people to open the door and hear the knock. Our job is to witness, to let people know the Lord is calling you. You need to open the door and hear the knock. Hallelujah. I will come in. Eat with him, and he with me. For this is the will of my Father. This is John 6, 40. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. That means I'm not going to die when I get 80 or 90 or 100. That means I have eternal life. That means I don't have to be worried about anything. And then what John said, the Lord said, is that I will raise him up on the last day. Anybody in the sanctuary now want to be raised up? Anybody in the sanctuary want to be raised up? Anybody in the sanctuary can bear witness that you will be raised up? How many of you know that you will be raised up on the If you know, stand on your feet. And give God some praise. How many of you know that on the last day, that when all is said and done, that you will be raised up and that you will be with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? And the last day, I will raise him up. We should always give God all praise all honor and all glory and a place of priority in our lives because God's love is everlasting. And in the last days, he's going to come again. 
and raise them all up. And they shall be with him forever and ever. You won't have to call the praise team up. They'll just know that they ought to be singing forever and ever. You won't have to take vitamin B12 to have a little energy because you'll know that you have been raised up by God and you will worship forever and ever and ever. You don't have to look sluggish. You can put a pep in your step in the name of Jesus because we shall be raised up, what? Forever, 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 and ever, and ever. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or prayer report or would like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.